0: You're now listening to the Talking Pictures podcast, broadcasting from sunny Orange County, California. Filmmaker, journalist, and film historian, Paul Booth.
1: Aloha. Welcome to Talking Pictures with Paul Booth. So happy to be here today. We're going to be discussing from cradle to stage, uh, the new show, well, it came out a few weeks ago on Paramount Network uh, streaming and television. We're joined today by uh, producer John Ramsey and the cinematographer, Jessica Young. Aloha, both of you guys. Welcome to the show.
0: Hello. Thank you.
1: Excellent. We are, uh, for, for any of you, uh, listeners that, uh, checked out that listened to what drives us. That was the other thing that came out recently. Uh, John and Jessica were a part of that as well. Uh, you guys can check that out on Coda collection. This is again available on Paramount network. But we'll jump right into uh, my first question is for Jessica, as I went through your filmography, I noticed you'd done uh, a lot of music stuff, a lot of sports stuff. There's definitely a lot of uh, parallels of the discipline and the staying, you know, on it and training. So with your cinematography, and we can obviously apply it to this television show or in general has your craft. Uh, Do you approach things more like a jazz musician or like a scientist that you like to kind of keep to what you know will work for you as a cinematographer?
2: (laughs) Um, That's interesting. Yeah, good question. I would say, uh, I guess, more of a jazz musician, right? Certainly as a documentary filmmaker, less of like being uh, particular about things and being more a little bit you know, putting yourself in the right place at the right time and trying to be anticipating the thing that will happen. I mean, definitely having a lot of thought, creative thinking going into the project beforehand, but in the moment on the, on the day, I think, um, yeah, you just have to sort of go with the flow and, um, and respond to what, what is being given less of kind of like Taking and manipulating it, kind of controlling the uncontrollable. You know, I like that. Um, yeah, yeah, and you're right. Like sports and music, they do have similar. Um, just sort of the the way the way you you approach them can be a very similar. Way there's an event happening, there's a moment happening, and you're trying to, you know, put yourself in the right position to tell the story you know, while also kind of thinking about the edit and thinking about lighting and thinking about composition. Hopefully sometimes if there's a still photographer around also thinking about sucking in your gut.
1: (laughs) Did you play an instrument or were you an athlete?
2: Uh, I mean, not some, I did play play sports in high school and stuff, but, um, you know, once I found the camera, once I found cinematography, that was pretty much, I pretty much knew that was the thing I was, I was going to do. Um, And put all my focus into that. I don't play um, uh, an instrument, sadly. I like to just say I play the camera. And, you know, I like, I love to be put in positions to, you know, document something that is not going to repeat itself. You know, especially in live performance. That's definitely true. And certainly in sports. So, um, you know, there's a time and a place and in and in interviews and things like that, you certainly can control the space a lot more. But um, yeah, I think you just have to be ready to ready, ready to uh, to ebb and flow. That's all. Yeah, ready to I've, anticipate.
0: I think that you know, Jessica and I have worked together quite a bit over the years, and just to kind of when when you said just, being at the right place at the right time, and like being able to tell that story—that's something that you're just exceptionally good at. Like every time, you know, you're just going with the flow and kind of anticipating where it's going to be. I feel like that's one of your strong suits. Just knowing, yeah, and I, was, getting I would the say,
2: shot. yeah, and even like as important as cinematography is, obviously, to telling a story. List being a listener as a cinematographer is maybe even more important. Certainly in documentary space. I guess probably narrative filmmaking as well, but the like having somebody mic'd up and, and really like understanding what is happening in the room, you know, being able to read the room and and sort of understanding the emotion of what whatever is happening
1: you know you got to shoot so many great interviews and I'm is there I'm wondering about what the challenge is with when you get these interviews and of course there's a challenge there's logistics there's the traveling there's all that there's the production is tough no matter who you are but as a producer what are some of the new challenges um, or challenges that become not easier like you have it easy but in the sense of Uh, you sit down with Jessica and you say, okay, we're going to interview, um, such and such musician. Well, you know that the musician is going to be more open because maybe they know Dave Grohl or, you you know, they're going to, um, you don't have to chase them for years to get the interview. So, do you kind of see what I'm getting at? Like to where, um, Oh yeah. Documentary aspect where it's like, we don't know if we're going to get them and they called and canceled the day before. So how does that work as a producer to kind of, when you have those things covered going in?
0: Yeah. I mean, that that's one of the many privileges of working with somebody like Dave is that he has access to everybody. And for the most part, everybody loves him, you know? So getting access to those people, getting interviews set up. I mean, it's not a breeze, but you just, you don't have those barriers to entry like normal people, you know, normal producers would run into because half the time Dave has that person's number in his phone and he'll text them directly and try to get things moving to set up these interviews. I mean, you know, at this point, Jessica and I have, you know, worked with Dave, you know, it's over a hundred interviews. I'm, going, I'm, at this I'm point. saying a hundred, at least, yeah. right? at John? least a hundred, right? Yeah. At least a hundred times now. And, mm-hmm. you know, every time he just, he comes to it with the same sort of enthusiasm that fans would, but he can also talk to these fellow musicians as an equal. And there's a different kind of understanding between them. So you just get different answers than if I, as a producer, were sitting down and asking those questions.
1: Do you have kind of like a process with uh, Dave Grohl where is he just writing all the questions out as a journalist? Or do you guys kind of get to spend time and maybe there's like more extended cuts of interviews or how how does that process work?
0: We do a lot of prep and, you know, a lot of research And, you know, provide that to Dave just so he knows the particulars, but he really, really likes to keep things unstructured and casual and conversational. He never has a notepad in front of him or a list of questions. It's all very much, you know, what, whomever he's interviewing, whatever they're kind of vibing on. And whatever, you know, they start to get excited about talking about, you know, he he doesn't really try to lead the conversation too much.
2: Yeah, it's it's almost like his curiosity is leading Mm. his personal curiosity about other musicians is like leading his whole conversation. And then it just it just goes like a performance, you know, there's really no structure it. I mean, sometimes he'll he'll maybe do some research about a, an artist he doesn't, he's not personally familiar with, like, but that's like hitting a Wikipedia page and just getting the basics, you know, and then, you know, they just start talking and it's just a conversation, really.
1: Now how, how does that work as a cinematographer that as much as you are going jazz like that? Uh, I mean, you do need to know where lights are going to go and how long it's going to take to set up a shot or when we're just talking about interviews before we get into when you've like filmed the moms at the forum or you've filmed at the virginia beach festival uh it's it's very great that there's that open space but for the practicality of a cinematographer uh how does that work that maybe that there's not necessarily questions or that there is kind of that going with uh too much of a flow like (laughs)
2: Yeah, no, I mean, really, the only time you have control over the situation is in a sit-down interview. And for those, you know, we often plan an hour and a half, two hours of load time and prep and setup. And, you know, Dave will arrive an hour before the talent that we're interviewing and, you know, we'll sit down and start talking. That's sort of like one thing. But I guess when it's a little more sort of like just verite, um. All you can do is anticipate and and kind of encourage a conversation to happen like, hey, over here in the kitchen or it looks kind of nice down here, down that we could go down this hallway and then be in this this little patio area or something like that's really the best you can do to anticipate and just encourage like that (laughs) flow to happen. But for the most part, you're just reacting. You know and if it's two camera situation you're you're kind of silently communicating with your other operator and knowing kind of what maybe lens they're on and they know what you're on so they can anticipate what frame size you have you are framing up in relation to how you are spatially in the, in the space um you know there's you really just have to like like Go with the flow. I know I said that already. <laughs> but, okay. You know, no, totally part of me. it is just responding to to the thing that that is happening in front of you, and just like reacting and trying to jockey for position that is, you know frames something nicely, or if the light falls just right. You know, also and thinking about what the other camera might be shooting too, and trying to get its complement.
1: Okay, so so for you for you, John, this sounds. I mean, you guys like you're saying you have such a long-standing uh relationship and you do have the obviously a shorthand uh what is something not about jessica or anybody specific but uh you've created the space of where things can go and and work in your advantage even with creating that space what are some other than the standard production movie god challenges is there a What would be like a specific challenge that would come to your mind on this show that as a producer where you really had to uh, really just go through your producer index in your brain and just be like, oh, man, this is a challenge. And I really got to see how I'm going to figure this out. Is there something you could share with us?
0: Yeah, I spent a lot of time, you know, trying to get the, you know, these subjects comfortable with the fact what we were coming to do. It's one thing for a famous musician to be interviewed and, you know, they're comfortable being in front of cameras and asking questions. But in the case of this show, like we were asking to spend time with their mothers, with their families, with their brothers and sisters. And that was, you know, nobody said no, but it was, it took a bit of time to just like get people comfortable with, well, what exactly are you coming here to do? What are you asking? What are, what do you want to see? Who do you want to talk to? So it was navigating a lot of that before we showed up with the crew just to, you know, get people comfortable with the, the the amount of access because we were asking for a lot of access to these artists' lives and everybody was really generous with their time. But It it was a lot of uh, communication to get, to those places
1: you're so so what i'm taking from it is you're saying there wasn't specifically before like other than standard manners like okay we're not going to go here so you might have come across something in an interview where it was like right oh whoa whoa we weren't ready for that so let's let's skip that so that that leads me to the question of uh how many other than to make it work for a time slot on television or streaming um how many Cuts uh were there, or do you, do you just have just such a tight, cohesive relationship that you could kind of really just—you kind of knew after maybe one or two cuts that you had what you wanted in the in the editing room. Like for you no, as a producer,
0: yeah. No, we spent a lot of time in the edit because you know the original cuts. Most of these episodes were you know an hour plus, and we had to you know cut them down for time. And, you know, again, it's like you make all these plans and, all right, well, these are the things we're going to ask you about. We want to talk to, you know, does your best friend know your mother really well growing up? Like we want to interview them and ask them some questions. Like we want to talk to your siblings, like whoever seemed relevant and not really knowing what you're going to get until, you know, you've wrapped it all up and gone back into the edit bay. So, you know, we had good outlines about what we wanted to do with each episode, but, um, you know, we had to adjust as we went. Like, originally, you know, there was a conversation, you know, were we going to have seven episodes instead of six? And at one point, we were going to do an episode just about Dave and his mother, Virginia, and then you know, the six other artists and their mothers. But then as we got into it, we realized it's really more interesting. Seeing Dave learn something about somebody on camera was always something really interesting. Like, And we discovered that pretty early on with the Sound City movie and the Sonic Highway series, like, you know, him talking to these artists and them telling him something that he didn't know or hadn't heard before. And his, you know, genuine reaction on camera and excitement and enthusiasm was great. So then it was like, all right, well, instead of doing an episode just to Dave and his mother, let's really lean into the fact that he and his mother are kind of leading us on this journey. And, you know, taking us to these different places, meeting these other people and then kind of leaving their story about their relationship in with these other artists where we could find parallels.
1: Uh, okay. I, cause I, I thought it was, I, and I didn't tell you guys before I'm, our show has a strict rule of, we don't tell anybody or guest anything they want to hear. So, when <laughs> we, so uh, this business, right? So when we, um, so, when we say we enjoyed something, or something was really great, or, uh, brilliant, we really mean it. So, we we'll, I know that's gonna get cut, so, um, we'll go five, four, three. So, I really wanted to let you guys know, this was so enjoyable. Um, and for me, it was like, I have a really close relationship with my mother, and she was very, very significant in allowing me to just do my thing and go after filmmaking. So I really liked that you guys took the time to do this. And uh, this is uh, for Jessica, I'll start out with the music aspect. Um, I'm always interested in cinematographers that do music films because it's taking the sound medium and visualizing it. So given the fact that we have uh, what I would consider, it's. Rock, Dan Reynolds, Uh, and then we have Rap, Hip Hop, R&B, all the various titles for Pharrell Williams, Uh, Lambert, Country, um, and then uh, Carlisle. I don't know if it would be considered folk or just what it is for uh, now. Rush, of course, Classic Rock, before Classic Rock Channel started playing 2002 songs of Aerosmith. And then of course Morello, the various forms of rock. Um, So uh, Jessica, what were you kind of like listening to what the show was about or the opposite to come up with your visuals or your planning for uh, the artists musically? What were you listening to during set or any, any given episode?
2: I do, you know, I'm kind of like uh, living on that, uh, in that space of being like the most spirited person. So I will get really into whatever the subject matter is that day. You know what I mean? Like, we're we're interviewing um, Miranda Lambert and her mother, like, you know, we're going to get into country, then, you know what I mean? Like, it's just what the sort of order of the day is. I, I wasn't necessarily changing my my Spotify lists or anything like that. Really just being inspired by the moment, you know, like if you're shooting a concert and Dan Reynolds is performing, you know, you are just looking for those, those emotional moments and trying to make that connective tissue with what is happening live in the moment in the audience, but also knowing like what the story is that you're there to capture that day. So also getting the connective tissue to his mother in the stands or him and his mother backstage, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I wasn't exactly like um, listening to anything specific. More or less, it's more important just to listen when you like are, or got somebody mic'd up in your ear, or, you know, you're just, in, you're presently in a music venue and there's a live performance happening. It's just listening in the right. moment.
1: Well I, well, I also mean kind of like, uh, I'm interested in if somebody the way they do yoga um listens to Led Zeppelin on the day that they shoot. So John, but with that, the same kind of question goes to you, John. Do you have uh do you go similar or opposite? If you're if you're producing duties for the day are is Pharrell Williams, are you bumping Tupac or are you throwing on Uh, something completely different to kind of enjoy that you're going to be in hip hop space uh, throughout the day and details and all that
0: yeah well with somebody like Pharrell you know we had interviewed him once before for a previous project so you know he's just such a cool laid-back chill guy and I was a big fan of NERD, so yeah, of course, when you're on your way, just kind of, it's in the front of your mind. Like, oh, I haven't listened to that band in a while. I'm going to listen to that a bunch. I mean, I'm a huge Rush fan, so that was an easy one and such a great honor to get to meet Getty. And So yeah, I I definitely got way into the spirit of whoever we were going to interview, just, you know, really trying to get myself, you know, steeped in their tunes
2: yeah i i also had been working with brandy carlisle ironically the same year we started this project i had kind of just jumped in um to a, a documentary project that she was behind so i had met her and kind of met her wife and her whole family and her band prior to jumping in on this project. So that was good to have like a familiar face. You know, I think when the camera crew shows up to your house or in this, you know, in this case, Brandy's like sort of ranch that so she has, I don't know if you call it that, compound. Um, she was really it was like, like, it was like a nice pleasant surprise to see a familiar face behind the camera, you know, which was, was useful. Um, for me, meeting Tom Morello and his mom though was definitely like my, um, just highlight as far as like rock god status
1: yeah. for, for you john as a producer aside from the fact that we are either putting money together overseeing uh from working with your production manager standpoint or maybe you didn't have one and you guys were all just doing the various flow uh i'm really interested of how much traveling logistics and being in different places there was, I mean, how long, what course of time was this shot over? And also was, I think I saw one or two masks. So did this run into COVID or was this wrapped before or how did that work?
0: No, We were done with principal photography before COVID. But I mean, this project for me started way back. Like when Dave's mom, Virginia, was first had the idea to write this book, she reached out because she was going to do these interviews. And so she needed some help to get some audio recording equipment together because she wanted to tape these interviews for the book. So I helped her do that. And I would make little MP3 files of the interviews for her so she could listen to them while she was writing the chapters. So, I mean, that was, what was that, 2013, 2012? I can't remember exactly. It was quite a while back. And then, you know, uh, a lot of these places, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, people we interviewed, like we do, uh, multiple trips. Like I God, we must go to Toronto four times to, to film with Getty and his family, um, yeah, so it's just a lot of logistics, but uh, and that you know. was also
2: kind of sporadic. Like you know, we would catch Pharrell yeah. in L.A. and his mom and, and for the interview, but then you know ended up out at Virginia Beach, covering his um, something in the water concert yeah. series. So so like each one kind of had its own, you know, necessary elements.
1: I mean, I guess that leads into the same thing for you, Jessica. Is is it just? a thrill or is there some time uh you're dealing with locations and i'm assuming you don't get to do as many uh tech scouts really knowing where the light comes from or doesn't uh you know <laughs> uh, do, just
0: jessica's used to me throwing her into situations with little to no prep <laughs> uh, <Just> okay like, <laughs> Yeah. All our crew, come to this place at this time. Have, right. we'll, we'll figure it out when we get there. <laughs> we started
2: with control, uh, I think, on Sound City, you know? We yeah. were basically one location. We thought very, very, probably overthought how to light and set up each interview and an in, in, in artistic, like, creative music performance. Same maybe with Sonic Highways. And then, you know, we just start doing it a while. And now it's almost just like, well, let's just go. Let's just show up. See what happens. We'll find it. We'll find it when we yeah. get
1: there yeah. i like that that's a cool um i think that's one of the most overlooked things is the just you'll find the moment and and not having to think or look too much that's that you know that's what i think that i comes across so well uh in your guys show and that you work together on other docs um sound city today is that kind of letting go and finding what you find and not having to overly control yeah
0: that really comes from the top down that's just you know i said it before but dave just likes to keep things casual and unstructured and really laid back so you know i'm usually like a duck you know above the water everything's calm and cool under the water my feet are paddling like crazy to keep up with him but a lot of time and effort is spent to just make sure everything's casual and relaxed and everybody in the crew has that same sort of mentality and everybody's just gets along and there's no bad attitudes so that you know we can just kind of let it happen and you know well, it just says, find the moment.
2: Yeah, we have this one little saying: just grow with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's great. <laughs> that, <laughs> just grow with it. <laughs> yeah, I philosophy,
2: mean, it's philosophy for that's life.
1: That's really, um, that's really cool. I love it. The I guess another way is like uh, I think it was Olivia Wilde for her directing. I saw a big a, a big line in Variety that said, "Oh, it's simple. You just have a no asshole policy." Yeah, and then yes. the film works.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen yeah.
1: to that. Yeah, it, that's so uh, cool. So, uh, w- you know, obviously, you know, practical travel. I was jealous because I love the Los Angeles Forum, I love the history of it. Um, I've only seen Aerosmith and Elton John there. So, for Jessica, what you're having to light and also deal with lighting within the concert light. How does that process go for a cinematographer? That's something I'm am always oh. amazed by.
2: Yeah, well, in this case, I mean, while I would love to uh, kind of sort of construct and design a lighting show for a band someday, you know, they always come with lighting designers, and that is something that is already planned out before you get there. And if you're lucky, you can see some stuff during rehearsals and kind of get an idea of what it's going to look like maybe from different positions, but for the most part, you know, you're you're just finding it like in the pit or whatever your position might be backstage or a side of stage. And you're just constantly looking for a good shot, you know, that also has some kind of emotion to it. Like not just like a good shot for being like pretty or compositionally nice, but something that like gives it a feel, gives it like their performance, an element of emotion Um, while also considering, you know, your other multiple camera positions in the space. And sometimes you can get, you get to work with the lighting designer, you know, here and there for specific parts or moments that, you know, it might be happening. Like if they're going to bring someone out on stage, there might be a cue for that, you know, stuff like that. You might, um, be prepared for but sometimes it just happens, you know, performance, it's live performance. It's, um it's out of your control. It's it's, it's an organism in itself.
1: For the show, you're obviously covering bands that, you know, you knew or to some extent, maybe you didn't. But is there, uh, if you don't mind me asking, like, have you gotten to or is it a separate entity to where have you just filmed like umpteen amount of shows of Foo Fighter shows or is that always a concert crew that's showing you stuff on the Jumbotron or how does that? Uh,
2: um, it's a bit of both. Yeah, they will have teams that travel with them, you know, that shoot the live show for the Jumbotrons. You know, they kind of have that figured out as as their production. Um, if we show up, generally we're untethered and hopefully get a free free pass to be moving around to jockeying positions you know to what we think might be the best angle um but yeah it's like uh, we've shot I've shot a lot of Foo Fighters and I so I kind of know the songs very well I also know like Dave's uh rhythms of just performing into a microphone (laughs) how he delivers lines and uh, the way he moves and I can definitely like anticipate those things after all of this time and repetitive repetitiveness, you know, I'm, I know when Taylor's going to go nuts or, you know,
1: <laughs> right, right, those sort of things. <laughs> as a producer, if you guys were filming an arena for one of the artists or an outdoor venue, uh, is, is the production just completely side or as a producer, are you also, working with okay there's the production manager of the concert there's the people of the venue there's the
0: yeah i'll i'll always try to reach out and talk to whatever production manager beforehand just to kind of reassure them like hey we've done this a bunch of times we know how to stay out of your way we're not coming as some crew that feels entitled to be on the stage you know doing whatever the hell we want you know we're just gonna try to stay out of your way this is what we're trying to get can you give us any guidance like any suggestions places to be places to stay away from you know just general professional courtesy because it always shocks me how many productions don't behave themselves that way. Yeah. Burning
1: locations.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, we had great partners with Live Nation Productions on this show, and they have such, you know, huge relationships with a lot of these venues. So it was great to be able to, you know, just be put right to the front of the line, so to speak. with Like, hey, we want to come to this venue and we want to shoot. What do we have to do? to get this cleared with the, with the venue and then speaking with the artist, and making sure we're not stepping all over their toes.
1: I really think it's cool. And you guys have mentioned the curiosity and actually uh, in the panel for what drives us, they mentioned it of you guys are all just such pure fans. And I felt like, again, not that you guys are children, but I felt like it's a, a bunch of kids Like you see it in uh, Dave Grohl's interviewing style, uh, letting the kid out in the nice way. And I like that you guys can kind of share and spread that energy. Now, I was unable to get my hands on the book, um, but I noticed there was an artist that wasn't in the show whose mother was in the television show. So because I couldn't track down the book... And I wanted to learn, so I let people know I don't under-research. How many more uh, mothers were there to this, to where there's six episodes of the show, but how many moms
0: were in the book? Oh, quite a few. I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but yeah, there were a lot of artists that were featured in the book that we didn't feature in the show. And there are some artists in the show that were not in the book. Oh, really? Yeah, Dan Reynolds was not in the book. Oh, wow! And Brandy Carlisle was not in the book. Oh my
1: gosh! Because I understand why the one at the dinner wasn't, because it just would have brought down the vibe of the show. But yeah, um, wow, that is
0: talking yeah, about it. Awesome. It
2: was also sort of like, well, who was who was really present in that moment in time, too? You know, like Brandy had just mm-hmm. really kind of come to the mainstream and had such an interesting story. I don't know what kind of research was happening behind the scenes, you know, a lot of things happened before I get there, but, um, you know, I think her, she was really timely, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brandy Carlisle, uh, you know, in a, in a previous series that we did for HBO, Jess and I worked on with Dave, you know, we did a, a whole episode in Seattle. And so, you know, one of one of the associate producers on that show was familiar with Brandy and we wanted to get Dave to interview her for that episode of that series but it didn't come together so when it came time to do Cradle to Stage you know obviously Brandy had really broken through and become a household name so it made sense to feature her in an episode and she was just so great and just so welcoming and just everybody around her is just so generous with their time and yeah that's my favorite episode
2: that's definitely um a a good case for the no assholes allowed kind of thing like in brandy's camp like there really are none like her band the twins are just incredible people that they're just an awesome family Yeah, Um,
0: just everybody around her is so lovely they're just really welcoming and and, and
2: I will say they were also, you know, really excited to have Dave Grohl come over and have dinner and like <laughs> hang out, you know, like they were fans, too. Like they are they are from the Seattle area. So that. Oh, right. That the, whole, okay. As I
1: was going say the Washington one, because it wasn't the I think it was the Texas town where it was like somebody saw Dave Grohl and yeah, Lindale, Texas. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> The, I, I'm, I have a, a friend that always shares stories with me because he's, he used to manage a, uh, just as known in in the business and like Dave Grohl. And he just has shared just the weirdest stories where they're, it's, and you guys experience it, but I love seeing that where it's just, we all know people are people, but the way it can just be like, I saw such and such getting a hot dog and. And I'm from Hawaii, so I would just be like, "Oh my gosh!" So they were hungry, like so. <laughs> so it's really like it's really cool to hear that that does, and it must be nice to make someone's day. But then when you really break it down, it's just like wow. Um, so we have some uh, questions that, um, and so again for this book from cradle to stage, and I just love Dave Grohl's mom is just so cool. It really reminds me of. And also Tom Morello's mother. Um, what what a great pleasure you guys had to uh, work with them, and that'll 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 lead me into John. D- did you have an interview uh, that you were not? It's not your favorite, but that you were the most excited about the way Jessica had mentioned Tom Morello.
0: Yeah, I mean, God, there are so many just pinch me moments working on these projects because you're just meeting. You know, just people that you've idolized your whole life. Um, Probably the biggest one for me was meeting Getty Lee, just because Rush had such an impact in the formative years of my life, just through my older cousin kind of introducing me to it and just, you know, knowing their music catalog so well to be able to spend time with him and get to meet him was was super special for me
1: okay i you guys gave me a special moment where uh that it it does just for a sec tip into what drives us to where the way they embed your name on uh screeners one of the clips of steven tyler singing my name was like right below it and (laughs) And my nickname is my last name. So it looked like you, like, I have a friend who's always like, Paul Booth. And so it looked like Steven Tyler was saying Booth. And I just (laughs) laughed. I was like, I was like, oh my God, this is the kid that they're talking about. This is, this is exactly what they're getting at. Like, it's so pointless that there's just like a, I've paused my computer. And, um, but yeah, so (laughs) I love that you guys have that. And like, you're giving it to people and You're giving it to millions of people. That's what I dig, is that you guys are sharing this um, with the world. Uh, So, John has a music fan and just appreciator. Uh, What would be if you had, like, five albums that, uh, you know, you're you're living in your van, the van catches
0: fire, and these are the five (laughs) albums you're (laughs) (laughs) grabbing? Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, not fair yeah those are tough questions (laughs) Um, I'd say Kiss, Rock and Roll Over is on that list for sure probably the first Guns N' Roses record Appetite for Destruction I love that one still pretty much I can't you can't make pick an ACDC record, so <laughs> all of them have to be on that list. Um, yeah. God, it's, these are such hard questions because I like so much different stuff, but um, probably Metallica Ride the Lightning. I think you're starting to kind of get a. Yeah, no, that's no, going <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's my old, <laughs> that's my older brother's
1: collection, so that's why it all makes sense. I was listening uh, to these ones. Slayer,
0: Slayer. early Slayer, early Slayer. Oh, oh, there. Okay, there's just, oh just too many to choose. I can't pick five. Okay. Oh no, but, of course. But, it's,
1: that's why. That's why I throw it out. Um, yeah. No, that's that's a great <laughs> list. Um, I I grew up with like the ACDC, the Motley Crew, the not that I put them musically with. Metallica, but those first four, uh, what, Garage Days, Ride the Lightning, and Justice for All, all those goodies, and only being seven, so having no idea, and not having any clue what they were, um, uh, Jessica, we'll just put it on you, since you're here for filming, either cinematographers, or do you have films that inspire your cinematography?
2: Oh, Yes, sure. Also an question but uh, maybe easier to answer. I don't know, it all comes down to genre, I guess. But I would say heavy hitters, children of men, um, very repeatable for me. Uh, strangely enough, that film Man on Fire with Denzel Washington. Oh, brilliant. Tony I got to. Yeah, like they're just just—they're doing all this fun stuff with like double and triple exposure. I just love that eye candy. It's just so fun. I have to watch that movie, you know, at least once a year, sometimes more. <laughs> Um, You know, that's not count when we're not even talking about documentary films, it's like a whole nother thing. Um, Casablanca, hands down, just like classic, classic, great film. I don't know, that film Dead Poets Society had a sort of profound effect on me when I was a kid, like in high school, and I think it was just the timing of it, but I I always keep coming back to that film. Um, And maybe I would add The Big Chill. It's a real eclectic mix wow, there.
1: Wow, as I was gonna say, Big Chill, Dead Poet Society, um, that's children of children
2: of men. Oh, it's got to be children, wow. such a like, just a fabulous piece of filmmaking wow. all around.
1: Peter, we're we're oh, Alfonso Cuarón. That's definitely a, um, great Australia <laughs> and Mexico in the mix on that one. That's a that's <laughs> okay. no, that's awesome. Like uh, I'm everything for me was just because older brothers. So like, I mean, I saw Risky Business when it was new to VHS and I, I told my older brother, I'm like, I was five when that came to VHS. Like, what were you doing showing me that? Um, like, but I love the big chill. So that's, so thank but you, you know, for mentioning The mention. big
2: chill actually has like a really great soundtrack. Yes. It's a really good movie soundtrack. And like, yeah. I actually, that's my best. husband's been a huge record collector the last couple of years and I'm looking across the way and there's a Pulp Fiction you know soundtrack staring at me too I love movie soundtracks you know because it's almost like a radio mix I mean it's like just I don't know I love those too
1: well yeah big chill starting out not that I'm probably
2: I'm not gonna grab those if there's a fire in my van and I have to grab five records (laughs) but (laughs) it's always it's nice to have like that variety on a record
1: oh that's that I mean that's one of the best uh sound i mean and also being known for the soundtrack um when they're all singing and you can't always get what you want at the funeral um so let's let's see the next uh little i have just these fun questions here so for both of you and we can go jessica then john do you have a best lesson for yourself That there's just no way you would have got this lesson if you didn't do from cradle to stage.
2: It's definitely hard to keep up with the Lamberts when you sort of have to start the social hour drinking at like maybe 10 (laughs) (laughs) a.m.
0: Wow. Um, you know, right after
2: coffee, I mean, not to say that I was partaking, but those on camera were like, you know, keeping it loose. And, um,
1: it. That's,
2: that's something to learn. Although in general, drinking with rock stars is always a little bit of a challenge. To keep that's just saying you're
1: hanging out with rock stars and traveling around to the forum. That's
2: uh, and, and like on those next on the day afters, yeah, you better just suck it up. You got a hangover. You just keep working. <laughs> yeah, <gotta> work through <laughs> gotta gotta work
1: the pain. Through oh. <laughs> you're
2: not able to. You're not allowed to sleep in. You know.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. The best lesson uh, to beware of drinking with the Lambert's. I said that. You didn't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, for for you, John. Huh. I
0: don't know. The lesson I learned. I feel like I continually relearn the same lesson on every project which is just I mean I'm always assuming the absolute worst is going to happen and it's saved my hide so many times (laughs) so yeah I'm always just prepared for everything to go up in smoke and when it doesn't then I'm pleasantly surprised it's sort of the key to the happiness of my life
2: yes it is so hard to like razzle John Ramsey he <laughs> is like he described the duck floating very nice calmly on the water and underneath those feet are just go go going um, he's probably paddling, thought of everything
0: paddling.
2: he's thought of everything that could go wrong so it won't hopefully go wrong you know um but yeah, you can, I can't think of an exact example, but you could come to John and be like, this shit's on fire. And, you know, he would, he'd be like calmly, just say like nod and then go take care of it.
0: Yeah, well, that's. <laughs> okay, that, I mean, that's my great. My bucket of water. That's
1: <laughs> No, that's great. I mean, that's a, that, that sounds like a wonderful thing to uh, go in with and to be able to um, draw from. Uh so I think, let's see, I think that's pretty much... Um, I mean, I do have like 20 more questions, but I know we've, we're coming up on our time. So, um, as always, we just want to thank you guys for doing what you're doing. And whatever part of it that you guys are or are not, you don't have to answer. Um, congratulations to just everything that's going on right now with uh, you, you guys, your associates, reopening the forum. Uh, The Rock Hall, um, and just all musically that you guys in your studio is uh, doing for the world, because we sure need it right now, and uh, these docs and television shows have just come at a perfect time, and so just as a fan and a filmmaker and a podcast host, uh, I sincerely uh, thank you guys for uh, what you're doing and have done, and we wish you guys the best on whatever you got cooking
0: next. Thanks so much. It was really fun. We appreciate it. Yes.
1: All right. Well, you guys have a good night. Take care and best wishes and safety to you and yours. Thanks
2: so much. Bye.
1: Aloha. Well, we want to thank Jessica Young and John Ramsey for coming on to discuss From Cradle to Sage. Check that out on Paramount Network, Paramount Streaming. You know our motto whether it's morning, afternoon, or evening, make sure and watch a good movie. Aloha.
0: Thank you for listening to the Talking Pictures Podcast. Real conversation and movie-induced inspiration.